So we are in this series and it's, it's, it's amazing. I'm so happy for the church, especially because I'm super passionate about this, this topic because I struggled many years on understanding God's design for my sexuality, God's design for what he had in store. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Joshua and I am the youth coordinator here at Citywide Church. And um, I'm, it's an honor and a privilege that pastor has entrusted to speak on the subject today before you. The sermon that I've titled today and the title of the sermon is The Promise in Pursuing Purity. The Promise in Pursuing Purity. And I'm, I'm, I'm married to my lovely wife. We got married um, last month. Yeah, give it up. I, I love her so much, um, and we saved ourselves for marriage, and it, it's, it's a beautiful union when, when by the grace of God, you, you choose to save yourself for marriage. I just want to encourage anyone in this room to, to recognize the beauty, and we're going to go deeper into that sub- subject on what it means to walk in purity. What it means to walk pure before the Lord. In the 1960s, there was the rise of the sexual revolution. And the motto was, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And we saw an entire generation said, we don't want to adhere to some moral code. We're going to go ahead and do whatever we want. And the results of, I was just studying the, status, the statistics of, of the results of sexual revolution. And I was shocked to see that one of the main statistics was there was an increase in sexually transmitted diseases. And there was an increase from, to a, approximately 165% in just California. There was such an increase. And this not only led to an increase in STDs, but specifically there was an introduction of two diseases, herpes and AIDS. And AIDS is one such disease that does not have a cure. And thinking about this 50 years ago, 50 years ago, the world, lived, the world we lived in did not have AIDS. And now we see this, this, this deadly disease even killing many casualties as a result of a generation saying, we would do it our way. We want to get it done our way. We don't want to adhere and subject to God's moral code. There's been a, there's been a huge issue and I feel like most of us in this room and even there's a generation that is lacking in identity and and many leaders have spoken about it. And one of the biggest issues that the church is facing today is fatherlessness. We live in a community where fathers have lost their identity. And therefore, we see children growing up in a, fa- in a broken family, not knowing the true, the, true, the true design of family that God initiated. And it all comes back to the root of not having a biblical perspective on sexual morality. And so, 
I was thinking and I was continuing to do study and most of the crime and the criminals who are who are in prison and the inmates are they've they've a high percent I think it's 80 to 90% of them grew out without a father at their home there's so much confusion that this generation is facing you know why because the church saw the topic of sexual morality and said it's taboo especially in the 1960s they th- they said it was a taboo subject prior to that i i recently learned that even in the entertainment industries when they would show a scene of a husband and wife in a marriage covenant go to bed they would go to bed on a separate beds if you look at old movies that's what it was and today we are living in a world where it's so much more distorted and the reason why it is that way is because the church has not stood up and spoken the truth and that's why i am so passionate and that's why i am so happy to share with you god's truth for your sexuality god's god has a plan for you my brother my sister you might think to yourself that i've missed the mark but i'm telling you god has a plan there's redemption in the blood of jesus there's restoration in the blood of jesus i couldn't help but getting overwhelmed continuing to read the statistics and I, i'm realizing that god has given me some form of an influence what am i going to do with my platform and i remember holy spirit was saying you got to speak the truth in love my son because we did not share the truth there's a whole generation who's going a different direction So I'm here standing before you my brother my sister I'm going to share the truth of what the word of God says when it comes to us and our sexual sexuality I I I kept asking God was it all worth it Did that person who who died with AIDS ever even imagine that his so-called freedom would end up in death And we see see that in James 1:14 and 15 says this but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed then after desire has conceived it gives birth to sin and sin when it's fully grown gives birth to death the bible clearly warns that it's our own selfish desires that leads us to conceive sin and when sin is fully conceived it gives birth to death but where did all this start from many of you would say hey it started from the fall of man but no it did not start there it started way before that there was this beautiful angel who used to worship the lord The scripture even describes that angel as the most beautiful angel. Every day he would worship the Lord. He was so beautiful. He had jasper and all these stones. He would worship God. Until one day, one day, he looked at God and pride seeped him. And he said, "I can take God on. I don't have to worship him." and it was so strong that he convinced 
one third of the angelic army and he told them, hey, you're not getting what you deserve. Hey, you deserve to be free. I'll give you a better position in the hierarchy of God. And we see one third of the angels believing him. And this angel is Lucifer. Sin originated not on earth. Sin originated in the heavens. And sin originated because of pride. Sexual immorality is a fruit of pride. Pride is the root. We want it our way. We don't want to subject to God's design. We want it our way. But for man, let's look at what happened in the garden though for man. In Genesis 1, 26 to 28, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. We see God creates male and female and he gives them a purpose. He says, be fruitful and multiply, have dominion. Dominion and multiplication was the purpose God gave to man. You see, my brother, my sister, God created man with a sex drive. God gave man a sex drive and in fact, he looked at man after creating man and said, very good. He gave each one of us a sex drive, but we have to understand in the how can we operate in this God-given gift. It, we can only operate in this God-given gift in the covenant of marriage. Pastor said it last week and I'll say it again though. The purpose of sex is four things. Number one, procreation. Number two, pleasure. Number three, protection. And number four, healing. Procreation because God looked at man and said multiply, procreate. Pleasure because God gave it as a gift to us to enjoy a husband, to enjoy a wife in the context of marriage. Protection where a husband and wife could enjoy each other and please one another and therefore not look for their own desires elsewhere. And healing for the reconciliation in the covenant of marriage. A quick testimony that I want to share is when my wife and I came together when we got married, my wife was struggling with gluten allergy prior to that. And I thought, you know, the sexual healing had only to do with uniting back the hearts of a husband and a wife. But God did a super, supernatural work. After we came together and as we went through uh, the process, we realized that she was completely healed from gluten allergy. God had supernaturally healed her. And so we see God doing wonderful things as we pursue purity. Especially in the early teenage years, we are introduced to our sexual drive or a sex drive. And because the church has been so quiet about it, each one has, has, 
has come to a place where they need to self-discover. In fact, they've been deceived into self-discovery versus being told the biblical standpoint on sexuality. We see many, many teenagers being deceived. Deceived into this, to, into especially exploring their own sexuality. But we as a church, especially you, fathers and mothers in the room, I encourage you to talk to your children on biblical standpoint on sexuality. Because if you don't tell your children what it means to walk in purity in front of God, I'm telling you the world is already telling them. The world is already influencing their eyes. The world is already telling the, the young teenage kids who are discovering the purpose of life and distorting it. That's why we see the enemy, especially the enemy, knew that this would be the case. And that's why he attacks people when they are discovering what their sex drive is and their sexuality is. You see, for me, I struggled with pornography, with an addiction to pornography. I remember I was in a church setting and I was sitting there and one of the leaders came and he shared his testimony on overcoming pornography. And I remember laughing. I laughed and I said, that's not even possible. Because, you know, you see, the world that I lived in, especially when I, I grew up in an all-boys school. And so, peer pressure was so great that you were looked up, down upon if you did not watch pornography. So, I was hanging out with my friends who were elder to me and they, they decided that they wanted to laugh and therefore they introduced me to pornography. So, they wanted to see my reaction to pornography and they introduced me and they laughed at me. Many of us, including you, know that when you're introduced to a perverse sexuality, you're, you're actually, it's not fair. It's not fair. And, I, and then it, it, it slowly starts off as curiosity. And all of a sudden, you are in an addiction, a stronghold. It's absolutely sad to see the enemy deceive many, many young people. In their early teenage years, especially when it comes to sexuality. The need of the hour is the church to speak candidly upon this topic. Men, women, boys, girls, God has a plan for you in your sexuality. And there is a reward, there is a promise for you to pursue it right. For you to walk in purity. Before we go into that, I want to share what the definition of purity is. Purity by definition, according to Google, says this. Freedom from adulteration or contamination. There's another, another definition for purity which says, Freedom from immorality, especially of a sexual nature. If you're taking points down, I follow my pastor in preaching with three points. The first point for tonight is, or this afternoon is, guard your heart in pursuing purity. Guard your heart in pursuing purity. You see, there are two gates that have influenced your heart. Two gates. 
It's your eyes and your ears. It's your eyes and your ears. That's why we see the enemy having such a strong foothold in the entertainment industry because he knows that if he can only contort or distort your eye gates and your ear gates, he's got you. And we see that's why in the day we live in today, it's more and more sexualized. Things that we see and hear are more... I don't know about you, but before I got saved, I used to listen to music especially sexualized music because that's what the world presented and the church was quiet so I thought that was okay. Pure pressure. And so I, I used to listen to music and then recently um, I was driving and the radio came on and this old song came back. And remember, you, how many of you know that music and song has this ability to take you back in time? It's, it's amazing but yet it's weird. And so... I go back in time and I was like, I know, this, uh, I know the words for the song and I'm starting to sing it and then I'm realizing, wait a minute. Did I actually sing this? I was, sh- I was like, how was I so desensitized to the lyrics? And then I realized, okay, this makes sense. Lucifer was actually the angel of worship. So he knows how to twist and turn and desensitize a culture, especially with music. Not just music, we see, as a, as a, as a man, we see, you know, just posters and uh, social media, everything is flooded with a, with a sexualized culture. People want more views and women struggle with one another on getting more views and getting more attention because they don't understand their true identity. And identity is lost because they don't know God's design. We didn't know God. I didn't know God's design because nobody told me. That's why I'm here today to tell you God has a design for you and God has a purpose for you. And if you can only, I'm telling you, I feel this from the Spirit of God. Those, Jesus would speak to the crowds and he would say, those who have ears, let them listen to what the Spirit of God is saying. And I just feel that impression even now. Those who have ears, hear to what the Spirit of God is saying. Guard your gates. Guard your gates. Now there's a subtle form of sexuality that's crept in and contaminated purity. Things like you know, it, it, with the social media world, we see things like pornography and masturbation and sexting and apps built for just to please yourself. We live in a world that is screaming, look at me, look at me, look at me. But Jesus says something else. If you go to Matthew six twenty-two, Jesus says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. Jesus recognized that the eye was a gate. But I kept reading it and I was like, wait a minute. Why would the scripture say eye and not eyes? I have two eyes. And then I began to study. And as I studied, I found this. Whenever you look at something, especially when you're focusing on something, Both your eyes move together to focus at it. God is calling us to focus 
on the goal of his design. And then the Holy Spirit started to whisper in my ear. Holy Spirit said, when you aim and shoot at something, what do you do? And I said, I close one of my eye and keep one eye open to know where I'm shooting, to know what I'm aiming at, to know what, what, what exactly am I looking for. And, and I, I felt like God saying the same way. Jesus said, I and not eyes, because he wanted us to have that singular focus on God's design and God's purpose for sexuality. God wanted us to have that single, undivided focus to his plan and his design. Listen to what Job says. Job says, Job 31 verse 1. I have made a covenant with my eyes. How then can I gaze at a virgin? Job said, even think about it. Job was a man who went through so many trials and so many hardships. The enemy destroyed his family, destroyed his health. Everything was, his cattle, his wealth, everything was taken away from him. Even in his weakness, he held strong to the covenant that he made with his eyes. And there's a reason why he made a covenant with his eyes. Because he knew that his eyes were a gate. He knew his eyes were a gate. You see, uh, I just feel like the Holy Spirit even asked me to share this. You see, we live in a culture where a man and a woman cohabit. They live together outside the confines of marriage. And usually the response when, when they're asked, they, they might live a long time and even have kids and never get married. And they say, oh, marriage is just a piece of paper. And my response to that, if it's just a piece of paper then why don't you sign it? If it's just a piece of paper, why don't you sign it? And then I realized the motive for people who cohabit and live with each other outside the confines of marriage is prideful and fearful. You see, a person lives in that relationship. As long as the other person meets the need, I will be with that person. I am not going to commit to a life serving and loving you. In the similar way, there's the other person and the other saying, as long as my need is met, as long as everything is good, and I feel loved and accepted, I will be in this relationship. Especially in the church, we see this attitude. Oh, I love the Lord, I'm going to church, but I meet this wonderful young lady. She doesn't go to church so much, you know, she doesn't pray and seek the Lord but it's okay as long as I, I, I'll bring her up. And what happens is, I'm going to show you a, a demonstration. It's easier for the person who is not in the church to pull you down than me to pull the person up. It's easier. So my brothers, my sisters, the Bible says, do not be unequally yoked. And there's a reason why God says that. Because it's easy. And if you know, if you've gone, had a relationship, if you're in that relationship where there is that unequally yoking happening, you know you're going down. Even though you convinced yourself at the beginning that you're going to lift the other person up to see God, all of a sudden, you know you're spiraling down. 
And it all started because of pride. I can do it in my own strength. After all, I'm called to evangelize. My friend, that's not how the Bible asks you to do it. I don't know about you, but I'm going to preach tonight. I'm not. I'm done with a generation going astray. I'm done with people not knowing the truth. I'm done with people not knowing the consequences of what happens when you don't follow God's design. And the reward of what you get when you do follow God's design. And my friend, my brother, my sister, I want to tell you that there is grace for you today to do it. There is strength for you to do it. For you to walk in God's design in your sexuality. The second part of the first point in guarding your heart is by hiding his word in you. I want you to turn your Bibles to Psalms 119 verses 5 to 11. Psalms 119 verse 5 to 11. This is what the scripture says. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I, shall, then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous rules, I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I will seek you. Let me not wander from your commands. I have stored up your word in my heart. That I may not sin against you. My brother, my sister. How many of you understand. That if you don't read the word. There's no chance you're going to hide the word. If you don't have a steadfastness in the word and meditation in the word, you're not going to be able to hide the word. There's a reason why the psalmist David, in fact, says, I hid your word. I hid your word in my heart. I hid it and I walked according to your word. We see that even in Jesus. Jesus is facing temptation. Jesus is, 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 the, is led by the Holy Spirit. This might surprise some of you. Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. God in flesh was led to the wilderness to be tempted. But Jesus, even though he was God in flesh, he was well versed with the scriptures. You can ask me, how do you know that? And I'll say, hey. If you read scripture prior to that, Jesus, when he was 12 years old, he finds his parents have lost him and they come to find him in the temple and he's debating with the Pharisees and the leaders in the temple about the word of God. There was a culture, especially Jesus being God, he himself submitted to the word of God. Knowing and understanding and hiding the word of God. That's why we see when Jesus faced temptation. Every time the enemy threw, threw a, a temptation at Jesus, Jesus would respond with scripture. Jesus would, would respond by hiding the word in his heart and responding with scripture. But Jesus didn't do it like sometimes we do it. 
When we get tempted, let me quote scripture. Pull up the Bible and you're quoting scripture. Nothing's working. You're still being tempted. And the reason why you're still being tempted is because there's a lack of faith. You see, when David was facing a crucial moment in his life, he was going back and he found that his wife and his children and all his army people's children had been taken captive. And he was coming back to find this scenario and he hears the whisper of his men. We can't believe we followed this man. We've lost everything now. And the scripture says, David paused and he strengthened himself in the Lord. And as I continue to study what that, what that fully meant was, he built up faith in, in God. And the way he did it was by recalling God's faithfulness throughout his lifetime. He said the God who, he might have said it this way, the God who was with me when I, when I, when I slayed the bear, when I slayed the lion will fight for me even now. He said, the God who was with me when I faced Goliath will fight for me now. He strengthened himself in the Lord. And that brought faith to rise. My friend, when you're tempted, strengthen yourself in the Lord. Know that the temptation, God has given you more ability for you to overcome than for you to subject to the temptation. So my brother, my sister, I want you to know, when the devil comes with a temptation... Recognize the temptation, but build faith. And once you've hidden God's word in your heart, you can declare it as the rhema word of God and the devil will have to flee because the devil, because the devil cannot convince you if you're already convinced. The devil cannot convince you. Especially when it comes to your sexuality, if you're already convinced, if you're already set on the target, if your eye is single, you're already convinced. He has no say. So you guard your heart by guarding your gates and hiding his word in you. Psalms 12 verse 6 says this, the words of the Lord are pure words. Like silver refined in a furnace on the ground. Purified seven times. His words are pure words. This Bible that we read, I don't know about you, but I get excited when I read the word. Those are pure words. And it refines you. It refines you. As an engineer, I was curious on the process of of, 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 of how gold and silver is refined. You see, when gold is found first in a mine, it's found in rocks. And what the, the miners do is they, they break the rock and they take the rock and the rock is sent through a processing machine where it's broken up into several pieces. And as it is broken up into several pieces, it goes to a hot furnace. And in that hot furnace... That rock is heated up to a high temperature to 900 to 1000 degrees Celsius. And at that point, something supernatural happens. The impurities, the contaminants, the adulteration, whatever's adultering the purity of that gold gets separated. Some of it gets evaporated and some of it settles down and the pure gold rises to the top. 
But how does a refiner know when the pure gold or silver is fully complete? Is when the refiner can see himself in the gold or silver. In the same way, my brothers, my sisters, there is a God in heaven who looked at you when you looked like a rock and saw value in your heart and left the abode of heaven, heaven went bankrupt for you. And he came and he walked this earth and he paid a price because he recognized that you were more valuable than you thought you were. That's what happens when we get saved. But after we get saved, God's in a process of refining us. And God loves to refine us through the enemy. The enemy brings tribulation, but God uses that for reformation. God starts to use the temptation and the tribulation to remove the impurities that have contaminated your heart. And slowly he removes the weeds. Slowly he starts to remove. And when it's beautiful and all done, is when he can see himself in you and I. My brother, my sister, there is a process that God wants to take us through when we hide his word, those pure words of God that refines us and brings us to a purity that the world does not know. To a purity that a world does not know. And when you walk out the purity, Psalms 91 says, thousand may fall on my left, 10,000 on my right, but I will continue to stand steadfast. Why? Because of God's grace, number one. And because of your yes to his call. Your yes to his call in purity. When you, when you make a bigger statement, when you stand apart, than when you bend to that idol. That idol of peer pressure. That idol of what the culture says. Of cohabiting. Boyfriend, girlfriend, living together without the covenant of marriage. My brother, my sister, that is not God's design. God has a special design in marriage. My point too would be this. Pursue purity by walking in the spirit. Pursue purity by walking in the spirit. You see, there was a man named Saul who was who was the first king of Israel in the Old Testament. He was anointed to be a king. And so he's anointed to be king, but there's a group of enemy called the Ammonites who come against the people of Israel. The Ammonites come against the people of Israel and they say, we will attack you and destroy you or you can surrender to us and we let you live, but we will gouge out your right eye. And walk you and, and show the world that you walk in shame. And so the people of Israel actually agree. But the news somehow goes to Saul. Saul is, 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 is filled with the Holy Spirit coming upon him as he becomes king. And then he, he hears this news. And he's enraged and he said, no, we will not do this. So he calls for an oxen. He cuts the oxen. He cuts the oxen and he sends it all across Israel. And he says, 
If anyone does not join us for battle, this will be their state. And then fast forward, they win the war. The entire people come because the fear of the Lord swept over Israel. They come together, they fight and they win. Fast forward. Saul has lost the anointing. The Spirit of God leaves Saul because of disobedience. He disobeys God and God gives him two chances and the Spirit of God leaves him. Now he's facing a a man from the Philistine army who's tall. He's a giant. And he's facing him and that man is taunting the people of Israel and saying, Come out and send your strongest guy to fight with me. Whoever wins this war will conquer the other land. My friend, you know what the Bible also also says? That Saul was head and shoulders above everyone else. Saul was the only man who was supposed to fight that battle. But because he had lost the spirit of God, he could not fight that battle. In fact, he agreed to the terms of the enemy. By not going forward to fight the battle. That's when David shows up. And he overcomes Goliath. But you see the world and the culture we live in today. My brother, my sister. Without the spirit of God. You tend to conform to the threat of the enemy. The enemy says you were born this way. You're always going to be an addict. You're never going to be accepted. You you have to do certain things to gain your acceptance. And you conform to the enemy. But when the spirit of God comes upon you. When God, in fact, you know what? I was born stupid. I was born as a liar. I was born in the nature of sin. I was born that way. But Jesus said, You need to be born again. You need to be born again. Born of the spirit. Only when you're born of the spirit will you be able to overcome. Just like Saul, when the spirit of God came upon him, he looked at the enemy, even though the threat was similar to Goliath, he said, no, we will fight. But this time we see Saul conform to the enemy. Maybe the enemy has lied to you. And you're conforming to him. But I want to encourage you to walk in the spirit of God. Walk in freedom. You know when Paul, in the New Testament, Paul addresses several churches. Including the church of Ephesus, Thessalonians, Galatians and Corinth. And I did a word study. The word study that I did was sexual immorality. And I found many times when sexual immorality was mentioned. There were other sins mentioned with that. But sexual morality was the first or second mention. And in theology there's a thing called the law of first mention. That means whatever is mentioned first has a heavier weightage. There's a, there's a much more emphasis on the first mention. We see it says in 1 Corinthians 6 and 18. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But sexual immorality, a person sins against his own body. My friend, you know who else lives in you? It's the spirit of the most high living God. That's what makes Christianity separate from every other religion. Only in Christianity does God 
dwell in us. Christianity, in fact, is not a religion. Christianity is God living through man on earth. No other religion, God lives through man. Only Christianity. You know, your body is called the temple of the Holy Spirit. There it's, there's a holiness that has to be purified in our bodies to, to have the full way of the Holy Spirit. How many of you have heard about the fruits of the Spirit? Raise your hand. Fruits of the Spirit. Prior to the fruits of the Spirit, this is what it says. Let's all open our Bibles to Galatians 5, 16 to 23. Galatians 5, 16 to 23. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Number one, law of first mention, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, Envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, come on, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. How many of you had a, an itch? All of a sudden, your elbow starts getting itchy. And you know, and you're like, okay, my elbow is itchy. I'm going to itch it a little. So you start, start to scratch. And then the frequency increases. And you're itching more and more. and starts getting worse and worse. But how many of you recognize that when the temptation comes to itch, if you ignore it, and you resist it, and you use self-control, you don't itch again. And it doesn't turn to become bad. In the same way, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh when you walk in the Spirit. It's not, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh when you control your flesh. Many of us think, I need to become perfect before I walk in holiness and love and peace and all these things. I need to first resist. No, no, no. You need to start walking in the fruits of the Spirit. And as you walk, you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. I remember when I was struggling with pornography addiction, one of the things that I read was, whenever you feel tempted, do 50 push-ups. So I used to do 50 push-ups. And I'd finish 50 push-ups, and I'd be tired, but I would still fall. And I said, wait a minute, it didn't work. Because the desires of the flesh were not supposed to be contained by fulfill, doing other things in the flesh. The desires of the flesh can only be overcome when you fulfill the desires of the spirit. Many of you are waiting so that you can, do en- you can re- resist enough to not fulfill the desires. 
But I'm telling you, walk in the spirit and watch. You will not fall in that area. If you're too busy having your eye focused on the Lord, the devil can't tell you because you're convinced. My brother, my sister, if you're convinced, you cannot fall. Many young men, they come to me. Remember we read 1 Corinthians 16, 18. It says, flee sexual immorality. They come to me and they say, we're struggling with lust and whatnot. I'm battling and it's, I'm not able to overcome. And I, I immediately recognize the issue. The way you overcome is by fleeing. It says flee sexual immorality. It doesn't say stand your ground and battle it. It says flee. We see Joseph, a young boy in Potiphar's house. And he's being enticed by his master's wife to come and lie with him. And he decides to turn and run, flee. Literally turn and run. So we, when we are tempted, we need to do what? Turn and run. So I want to share with you today, flee sexual immorality. My last point is this. The promise of purity is to see God. The promise of purity is to see God. And you might tell me, I know I'll see God when I die. I'm not talking about that. Let's read at Psalms 18 verse 26. With the purified you show yourself pure. And with the crooked you make yourself seem torturous. Psalms 27, 3 and 5 says this. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not lift up his soul to what is false. And does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord. And righteousness from God of his salvation. And you might ask me, what is that blessing that he will receive? Jesus answers it. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You know, when my wife and I were discussing, and I usually like to prepare my sermon with my wife, and we discuss, and I remember looking at her and telling her, babe, you won't understand what I went through to give you this gift as when we got married. You don't understand. The world was screaming at me. Pornography, masturbation, peer pressure. Culture saying everything is everything that's good is evil and evil is good. I remember when I was struggling with other relationships in my past, my, my pastor brought me in and he sat me down and he said, you struggle with relationship because you're looking for love. He said, I want you to go and seek the Lord on what love is. I remember I went and I, I went to my room and the secret place is where God is. And I closed the door and I, I knelt down. I said, God, I've been struggling for a while because I don't have a revelation of my identity in you. And I said, God, for three years, this was after I got saved, three years, I'm going to pursue you. Three years I'm going to pursue you with all my understanding. I'm not going to get into any relationship. I know my history I've had with relationships. But I'm going to consecrate this time in pursuing you. 
And I remember the Lord honored my decision. More than any other point in my life in those three years I was tempted. More than any other point in my life. But I walked by guarding my gates. I remember I turned away from secular, sensualized music even though the beat was too cool. I remember I started to guard my eyes. I said, no longer, Lord. I remember I started to read the word and hiding his word in my heart. And I remember temptations would come. Thoughts would come. And I always used to beat myself. I can't believe I'm still struggling with lust. And then the Holy Spirit said this. He said, when the thought is implanted in your mind, it's from the enemy. It's not you, my son. But if you choose to dwell on it, that's on you. I tell many of my friends, you, can, you, can, you can't avoid the first look, but you can always control the second look. I remember the Lord taught me so much. And I remember telling my wife, you have no idea what I had to go through. And she, I have no idea what she had to go through. And I remember the, the struggle was hard. But as I persevered, as I remained steadfast, the first way I saw the Lord was when, we, when He gave me the woman of my dreams. That was the first way I saw the Lord. And with each day, I am reminded of His faithfulness over my obedience. It was His faithfulness. My brother, my sister, I want you to stand to your feet right now. My brother, my sister, if you have missed the mark, there is grace for you. I'm going to say that again. If you have missed the mark, there is grace for you. Man, God knows I don't deserve it either. And grace is nothing but the unmerited favor of God. Unmerited favor of God. And that might not do justice. So let me show you with an illustration. Babe, do you want to come up? I'm going to illustrate what grace is. Let's say my wife is driving a car in a street which is with the speed limit of 25. She's going 45 to 60. And I'm the police officer and I pull her over and I said, Ma'am, you're, you're going past your speed limit. You deserve to be fined $200. How many of you understand that is mercy? So she's, she deserves to be fined. But he says, you know what? I'm going to let you go. That is mercy, my brother and my sister. That is mercy, but that's not grace. This is what grace is. If the officer pulls out more money, $200, and he gives her $200 and says, don't do it again. How many of you recognize when she's going that street again, she would not do it? Not because of fear of punishment, but because of grace. Because of the empowering power of grace. Thanks, babe. Grace has this ability for you to walk in holiness. The fruit of grace is holiness. The fruit of grace is... She will not do that again because she knows she's got something that she did not deserve. 
You see, when Jesus saved you, it wasn't just for you to go to heaven. My brother, my sister, when Jesus saved you, He graced you with number one, a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Man, we didn't deserve that. I agree, God forgave our sins and therefore we're pure. But He graced us with the Holy Spirit. He graced us with gifts, with callings, with purposes. He graced us. It's only through grace that we overcome. You see, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. Because of pursuing purity in my wife, in my finances. And I know I'll see the Lord in my children. That we would walk with the culture of the kingdom of God. Not like the culture of the world. But there's grace for you, my brother, my sister. I don't know which category you are in. Maybe you struggle with same-sex attraction. Maybe you struggle with, with constantly fighting lust through pornography, or masturbation, even in a covenant of marriage. Maybe you're unmarried yet and you're living with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. My brother, my sister, God is calling you to a higher standard today. If you can choose to pursue purity, there is a healing that will sweep. I heard a story of a pastor. A young girl came to the pastor and said, Pastor, you don't understand. I didn't know. When I was a young girl, I was molested by my uncle. And ever since, I thought that was my sexual identity. I embraced it. And all through my high school and college, I was known for the wrong reasons. And so the pastor was surprised to hear the words that came out of his mouth next. He said, I'm going to pray and God's going to restore your purity. And so he prayed. Nothing great happened. He just prayed. That girl ended up marrying his son. And after the honeymoon, she calls and she says, Papa, Papa, you don't, you won't believe what happened. And she said, my virginity was restored. And he was shocked. And it reminded him to never put God in a box again. The God of the universe has supernatural power to do the impossible in your life today. So I want all of you to close your eyes right now. With nobody looking up. If you're struggling with any sort of addiction to pornography, masturbation, you're looking for relationship one after the other, not understanding God's love. If you're struggling with lustful thoughts, if you're struggling with same-sex attraction, if you're living with your girlfriend, I want you to raise your hand. Encourage. I want you to raise your hand. Encourage. Because God is going to do a supernatural work in your heart first. And He's going to do a supernatural work in your body. Go ahead, raise your hand. I see you, my brother. I see you, my sister. I see you, my brother. I see you, my sister. It takes more courage to, to humble yourself before the Lord. And there is healing because you have the audience of heaven right now looking on with that simple hand raise. Go ahead and put down your hands. I'm going to pray and the Holy Spirit's going to do a supernatural work. 
And I just want you to receive. Don't pray, just receive it. Father, I pray right now that your grace would sweep in this building, God. That each one who's struggling with impurity, God, that they would understand the gift and the blessing of what it means to walk pure life. But they would do so only by walking in the Spirit. So I pray a healing, a healing in the heart, a healing in the body, that you would restore every broken area of their life, that you would restore their sexuality, God. And restore them to purity. To see your hand at work in their lives. Day after day. Minute after minute. Holy Spirit. You are more than able. To convict. So that they repent and we repent. And we say we have missed the mark. We recognize our sin. We turn to you for healing. Would you hear our cry? Our humble cry, King Jesus. The kingdom is not supposed to look like the world, God. Just as Paul encouraged the believers to walk in purity, I commission the believers today to walk in purity. flee sexual immorality so Lord come and touch the bodies even now and restore everything that was stolen by your grace restore everything that was stolen thank you Lord for your restoration and your resurrection in their lives in Jesus name I pray God bless you, my brothers, my sisters.